0: What's up, everybody? Welcome to the third episode of the Spartan Journal podcast. It's me, your co-host, Nate Jefferson, and today we have a couple of new guests today. Today we have one of our old friends, Justin Halverson. Um, Justin, you want to say what's up to the people?
1: Hey, everybody. Good to be back. Good to be back.
0: <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. Glad to have you, man. And then also, we have somebody brand new to the group, an awesome addition. We have our man, Brian... I don't know how to pronounce your last name, honestly, bro. Can you introduce yourself to the people?
2: Hey, everyone. I'm Brian Lenzine. Uh, I'm happy to be part of the conversation, and I look forward to the, the year to come.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Well, today we have an awesome topic for you guys today. We're talking about cybersecurity and how it's been affecting our economy. Now, we know a few firms, a few companies have gotten hacked recently, and we're going to dig into depth about what that means for those companies, and then what that means for our economy in particular. Now, the man that brought this topic up was Brian himself. So Brian, what ideas do you have about this topic to start off with?
2: Yeah, so I kept getting notifications about this. Um, I mean, the, the two recent ones that everyone hears is uh, Colonial Pipeline and JBS. And I, I think those are two, um, really important ones because they affect the infrastructure of the United States so much. Uh, you saw gas prices rising, that was Colonial Pipeline. And then there was a scare for a meat shortage for a little bit and that was JBS. And so, I mean, that kind of got me thinking, um, like, why are these cyber attacks happening? And, um, and then I, I saw that it's been happening actually since early 1990s. So a question for you two would be, why do you think, um, you know, this is such a growing problem now and why is it all of a sudden starting to happen to huge companies? Hmm.
1: I could, That's a great I question. Kick, yeah. let me to kick us off here, Nate? Yeah, that is a great question, dude. I, I didn't realize it's been happening so long. Like, I guess ransomware, as long as I've been using computers, Norton has been around. So I know like I've always heard those terms, but I never really thought it was a serious thing. The short answer is maybe it's like we're more reliant on the digital economy, right? Is everybody's got more things that are reliant on their computers, different like supply chain issues that are now digital. So it might be easier for people to access them. Something I read too, I thought was pretty interesting is like that group uh, that was associated at least with the colonial pipeline dark side they're like they talk about they almost use independent contractors so i was reading an article about how it's really scalable nowadays because people are so digital for like hackers to come in use your own computer hack and like basically try to steal information from people it's just super easy nowadays so i don't know i that's kind of what i'm leaning toward is it just we're more relying on it people aren't prepared people have no idea it's coming
0: Yeah, I second that. And I also hit at the convenience, how easy it is for companies, firms to be susceptible to malware viruses. It was actually at at my internship that I'm at currently at now, where we literally spent about five hours, first day, learning about the importance of security, not clicking on links that we aren't really familiar with in our email, all these things. And basically what the CEO of the company that I'm working for this summer, he told me was that, most of the hacks that we're seeing right now, they're mainly coming from emails, somebody Mm -hmm. clicking on a link that they weren't supposed to. And then from there, just tragedy happening all over the place. And so telling interns this the first day, like (laughs) the very first thing you're telling them, like we're on our toes. And so we were just joking around, just thinking about like how if you click one bad link, we're going to end up on the news for just damaging the company that's worth $6 billion. But at the end of the day, I think a big reason why this is happening is like, Justin said, the digital economy and also the convenience for hackers to be able to do these things.
2: Right, and kind of to add to that, um, you're talking about how, how easy it is sometimes for them, which is kind of crazy to think about how, um, and this is something that the Colonial Pipeline executives were questioned about. They said that they're, um, that they were hijacked from a single password. And so that could have been avoided by like a two-step verification process, you know, the, the annoying thing that we have to do now. Um, but also to, to kind of talk about what, Je- what Justin was saying, um, the convenience of everything, do you think that has something to do with cryptocurrencies? Because it seems like now that they can get paid and it, it won't be traced back to them, and they can get paid very easily, especially, um, you know, if they're from Russia. Do you think that has something to do with it?
0: I definitely do. I mean, with cryptocurrencies in particular, Bitcoin. It's not the fact that it can't be traced; it's just a lot harder for it to be traced, and that's due to the blockchain. And I think what I think, Justin, you sent this this article. Basically, what government the government or well, governments are trying to do is just Be more prepared for these attacks to happen and then be able to more quickly trace where the Bitcoin eventually goes to or just make it so like the hackers aren't able to get into the systems, period, like point blank, period. But I definitely think crypto has a huge piece to play in it just because of the anonymity that comes with it.
1: I think the, FPI, the FBI has recovered almost half of the original Bitcoin payment from the Colonial Pipeline. So it was something like 4.6 million and they've, the FBI has recovered 2.2 million. And it's like, Nate, like you're saying, it's the blockchain. So yeah, I was reading like that article before and I went, dude, I went down the rabbit hole this last hour before we hopped on here. And it was <laughs> like, like you said, so the anonymity comes in with the users, but the blockchain is open. So it's like a a, a public ledger. So I was reading the FBI, watched these guys transfer the Bitcoin like six times after the payment and they still have a lock on all the rest of it. And the article ended with, they're waiting to see if they transfer this anywhere else. Because like, basically right now the FBI is like, you're right, we can't figure out, we can't figure out exactly who's doing these transactions, but we know which account they're associated with. So my understanding was they basically waited to track these accounts. So they found one that had an associated address boom, they show up at the person's house, to have it locked key. So yeah, it, it, I think so, I yeah, to answer your question, I think it definitely has to, to do with the digital assets, stuff
0: like that. So. Question for you though, Brian, just, I know you're a block, not a blockchain major. I wish you're a blockchain major, that'd be perfect right now, a supply chain major, right? So like, can you tell me, because me personally, I don't know how the supply chain was affected by this attack. So could you explain to me how that all came about?
2: Yeah. So everything, it was kind of like a domino effect. So, I mean, I'm not an expert or anything, but I mean, when you see the, we'll just talk about colonial pipeline for a second. When we, when we look at how gas prices were already rising, then this happens and it, so people kind of get scared. There was what 5,000 something miles um, up from like Florida, all the way up the East coast. that 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 colonial pipeline supplies so when they're when they're supplying and they can't really supply much longer because their system's been hijacked then um the demand shortens and or not the demand i'm sorry then the supply shortens and um the demand increases it's just something like supply and demand um and that's kind of where the whole problem happened and arose from if that makes sense.
0: No that does it does it just gave me a quick flashback of how like I forgot what it was but the giant cargo ship getting stuck somewhere it wasn't supposed to get stuck and from there the supply chain for some companies ended yeah. up getting messed up. This has been a, a rough year for companies man.
2: Right. Everyone's talking about the supply chain from from covid and then the evergreen ship that got stuck and and now this too. So I mean yeah.
0: Yeah, companies, companies are definitely feeling it. But one thing I will say is I, I believe companies that are benefiting from this, this whole cybersecurity thing the most are the companies that literally have a moat around that. Their firm is built to take care of other companies in the field of, or the realm of cybersecurity. And some of these brand names you might know, like Norton, um, another one is uh, Cyber... Sh- Crowdstrike, yeah, Crowdstrike. Crowdstrike's a big one. I think um it's a leader in the cybersecurity industry. It's uh, I believe a market cap of around like 50 million. Um basically just focuses on taking care of their customers' cybersecurity through the cloud. And I guess they have a moat on their particular system called the Falcon. Um the Falcon is basically a, a, a system in the cloud that allows them to retrieve information due to their their customers coming in. And the more customers they have, the more information they have, essentially something like that. But at the end of the day, like they're a huge growing company. I think uh, this past quarter, they had like a hundred million in revenue. Like that's a record for the most revenue they ever had. And so like, I think and also like the IPO June, June or something. And since then they're up like almost 600%. And I think this might happen along the, uh, the industry in regards to cybersecurity, just other firms, other companies looking to strengthen up their security in this area. Because like Justin said, like you said, Brian, this is becoming a lot more convenient for hackers to, to make happen just because of the digital economy we live in. So, I mean, being on the lookout for some of these cybersecurity firms and uh, IPOs that might be on the lookout in the future.
1: Do you Absolutely. Think, yeah. Sorry, Brian. Go ahead.
2: Go, no, go ahead. Sorry.
1: Well, I was gonna say. So, um, I know some firms do it in house too. So it's definitely like a growing thing, right? Like, like people completely handle all their stuff. Plant around where I'm going. I know they have their own cybersecurity division. Um, something I thought that was pretty interesting is a lot of these firms consult with these guys after they've been hit. So I was reading these articles today. And it's like, okay, now that they're demanding this much money from me, I go to these places. And the recommendation most of the time seems to be just pay the hackers, which I thought was pretty a pretty interesting recommendation considering like the government tells people to not pay ransoms, not to do those kind of things. So Nay, I totally agree with you. But I, I don't know. Do you guys have any thoughts about like the evolution of the industry? It seems to be in it's like infancy
0: right now. I think so. I mean. I feel like for everything going on right now, we're in a new age where so much is happening, specifically in the digital world. And in the digital world, there's so much innovation to happen. And so right now, I think, like you said, these are the baby stages. These are the stages where a lot of things are being tested out. But at the end of the day, in my opinion, companies like CrowdStrike are going to be extremely useful. the
2: the convenience of everything um and to to add to that when these companies like dark side get the ransomware that they're that they asked for it just makes them even more have more resources to go out and to to hack another company so that's why these companies need to you know do the two-step verification do whatever they need to do um because I think this problem is just growing. So to ask a question from that, I mean, do you think that these companies should pay the ransomware? I mean, do you think it would be better or worse if they did?
0: I think it would be best. I mean, depending on what the ransom is. Now, if this is a, a $500 million company and, the ransomers are asking for $6 billion, it's going to be like, all right, that's an Odell reach. Like, chill out, chill out. You can't do that. But if it's a $6 billion company, and then they're asking for, let's say it's a $600 billion um, hedge fund, right? Small hedge fund, right? And they get hacked, and the ransomers are asking for $500 million. Now, it is a decent amount of money for the hedge fund, but if <clears throat> the ransomers get that, six billion dollars not only do they get the six billion dollars but they also get the information to those clients under the six billion dollars of, of that company you know what i'm saying so like the social securities their addresses all these things that are very personal to these clients and so from that standpoint i think it's best just to pay them off and just being able to uh, get back the information that they know would hurt their brand entirely that's
1: very fair i um I want to start by like a definition too, because I didn't learn. I just learned this today, actually, reading about this. So, ransomware is a specific kind of attack where what they do is they, I don't think they necessarily steal their information, but what they do is they lock you out of your own information. So mm-hmm. we're, it really hurts the companies that don't have backups. So that's what I was understanding. Like this meet like JBS, right. JBS could have avoided this to my understanding, if they would have had backups because they're like, they locked, they got locked to the system. it could have been like, you know, screw you guys. Like I got backup. So my, I I just wanted to start that because I totally agree with you, Nate. Um, I want to like the other side, the money, besides the money side, I think it's like an industrial side, right? Like this, like JBS, they were like, dude, this is Memorial day weekend. Like the price of meat has gone up 40% in a day. Like we need to do something right now. We can't wait until next Friday when we hear back from the FBI. So I think that probably has to play with it too. Cause you're like a hedge fund. You're right. I'm like, dude, we could, You know, it's maybe a little take out some more money, blah, blah, blah. But if it's like an industry like that, that affects so many people down the line, I don't know if they even have the option they have to pay. So it might not even be an ethical choice. I wonder if it's they even have a choice. They just have to do it in some cases.
0: That's a great point. That's a great point. And when you said their information, their information is locked up in ransomware. Like that's what ransomware is, correct?
1: my understanding so the ransomware thing is specifically you get locked out of your own information and they provide you with encryption to get back in once you pay them the money and then yeah i don't know like my understanding and then it can also also be like you can get it like you're talking about through your email right like somebody could click on an email and get it then the next thing you know you're like oh i can't get into any of my stuff this looks weird my understanding again i'm not a cybersecurity expert
0: right yeah okay so it's like absolutely Go ahead, Brian.
2: Yes, JBS um, employees. So a lot of the articles I read, they they, they started with like JBS employees. They came in to work and as they were trying to log in, instead of a login, they saw, you know, a little pop-up that said like, you've been um, like hijacked or whatever. And only way you can get back into your system is if you pay X amount of dollars. And so that's that's how it, that's so that's exactly right, Justin. What you're what you're saying.
0: Man, shout out to Justin. Lucky, lucky gas.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> um. So I don't know. Yeah. Again, like forward looking um what do you guys think is it, are these attacks even though there are companies out there is this going to get better or worse like brian i want to start with you what do you think do you think this is going to like are we going to see even worse attacks in the future like gas lines like we saw earlier this year what do you think
2: i don't think it's going to stop anytime soon i mean it, it seems like they're just putting a band-aid on it when they pay and the government the government has done anything to come in other than you know they try to get some of the money back but what does that do really so once the government decides to regulate and actually come in and do something then maybe it'll it'll stop but until then i don't see it slowing down
0: i second that um a big piece that i think is important is just the companies getting the the preparation that they need the protection that they need You know, i think uh it was jbs i think justin said that If they would have had their backups, they would have been fine. And maybe if they would have brought in a third party to tell them, hey, create a backup in case of um, some malware happening or um, some ransomware happening, then you'll be okay. But that didn't happen. And so I think a big thing that we're seeing is a lack of preparation. And if people are on their toes, if a lot of companies, COOs are on their toes and they'll understand, hey, we don't want to end up like a lot of these companies that are getting hurt, that are having to deal with ransoms, all these things that, you know, that could hurt our brand, hurt our company, hurt our bottom line. So let's be proactive and let's do something about this before it, it eventually hits us. Because it seems like it's inevitable, whether it's a company or it's just some guy that's in a coffee shop and is able to connect to the same Wi-Fi that you're connected to. Because it can happen just like that. Like, it's it seems like it's inevitable. So. It's just a matter of preparation for these companies.
1: You said something really interesting. I want to hear your guys' points because it sounds like we've all had internships and stuff. So what are your guys' pro tips for any students out there who have never heard? Like, what shouldn't you have been doing? You mentioned the coffee shop thing, Nate. A lot of people don't know that. What shouldn't you be doing to avoid getting this kind of stuff on
0: your computer? Well, like you said, I'm not an expert, but what I've been told is just not to connect to public Wi-Fi. So make sure the Wi-Fi is secured and make sure you have to put in a password in order to be able to access it. Otherwise, you're putting yourself at risk to anybody else that's on that same Wi-Fi server as you.
2: Yeah, and as far as emails, I, I know for the last internship I had, and I guess every job I've ever had, really, they, they've they done um, some training for like kind of recognizing uh, what kind of emails are are spam and and um like what what emails are phishing so i guess you kind of just have to teach yourself a little bit about recognizing you know what emails are bad i mean i don't know about you guys but i get like three emails a day that just goes to my spam that that is just phishing and you can kind of tell that it's it's from like a sketchy email and you can kind of tell when it is
1: the big one is bank accounts for me. So check your like. I get more than once where somebody's like, Oh, you need to reset your bank account. Look who the email's from. Cause it like the subject line will look official from your bank. And then you're like, Oh, this is some one, two, three, four, five, six at mm-hmm. gmail.com or something. Cause I, What's funny is when I had access to the MSU WMA Gmail account, so many people about like the podcast and the website and they're like, oh, we want to do this on your website and this, and you look and it's at this weird address and you're like, just, yeah, delete, delete, delete. But they got through the spam folder somehow because they're getting, they're getting smarter every day.
2: If you enjoyed the discussion, please like and share the podcast on Apple and Spotify. The Spartan Journal podcast is part of Michigan State University's Wealth Management Association a student organization whose goal is to inspire the next generation of financial advisors. The Spartan Journal News team releases a newsletter every Monday morning comprised of financial literacy and the week's market updates. Feel free to follow us on social media at MSUWMA and check out our website at MSUWMA.com.
1: Anything heard on the MSU WMA podcast
0: is for educational purposes only and should not be considered as investment advice.